So we're going to read verses 1 to 17 of Genesis chapter 2 uh, on page 4, as Andrew said. Let me start at verse uh, 31 of chapter 1. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day the Lord had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the the entire land of Havilah and where there is gold. The gold of that land is good, aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gishon, it winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, it runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it you will surely die this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God and let me lead us in prayer Father we ask that as we spend these next moments uh, thinking about these ancient words that you would be speaking them in a fresh way into our lives and into this area of our lives, the, the working part of our lives. Give us insight, Lord, from these first chapters of everything into your purpose, your plans uh, for uh, human beings in your world when it comes to work. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. On the back of your service sheet, you'll see a little outline of what I'm hoping to cover. And um, you can check to see whether I, you think I've done a, uh, actually achieved that, get, that goal. Uh, we've been using an outline for this uh, series in Genesis, which we're returning to today. Uh, God gives us good gifts. He makes good choices for us. He has good purposes in that. So God gives us good gifts, and today we're looking at the gift of work. And you might instantly be thinking, sorry Steve, work a good gift? More like hard graft, if you ask me. And we'll come back to why that is in a moment or two. But think first. What would you do if you didn't have a job? You didn't have to go out to work? Some of us might not need to ask that as a hypothetical. 
the retired among us. What do you do now you don't have to go out to work? Or maybe it's something you think, oh, I, I don't know. I, uh, what do you do when you're, what do you, when you're on holiday? What, what do you do when you're on holiday? Or if you've got kids, what do you dream of being able to do when you're on holiday? <laughs> the answer will always be something. We will always come up with something that we want to do or we get involved in doing. Because human beings, when we sit around and do nothing, we get bored, don't we? We get restless. We know we're made for more than just sitting around. Uh, My mum, in her retirement, uh, she does things like gardening and knitting. For my dad, it's grandchildren and making things. For other people, it's travelling around the world to experience it, to try and understand it. Or maybe studying something that people have always been wanting to learn and they've never had time for. None of that should be a surprise because of what we already read in Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. Unlike pretty much everything else in our lives, which has a sticker on it saying, Made in China, uh, the sticker on you and on me says, Made in heaven, made in the image of God. And being in God's image means that just like parents and children usually look alike, don't they? Children, you think, oh, you've got your dad's ears, your mum's nose. So you and I have striking similarities with the living God. That's what it is to be human. Striking similarities with the living God. You, me, us as the human race. So God's the creator, he's made us creative. God rules everything. And if you look at what we've just read from Genesis 1, 26, he's, he's made us to rule over, to manage, to organise the world, to cultivate, to grow, to make, to do, uh, verse, um, chapter 2, verse 15, to take care of the world. That's the good gift of work that God has given to us. Well, God gives us good gifts and he also makes good choices for us. Uh, God could have chosen, I guess, to have made some sort of virtual world like they have in the sci-fi movies and I'm very excited about Blade Runner coming out um, and looking forward to seeing that. Um, You may hate those kind of movies but you've kind of heard of them. This sort of virtual world, all imaginary and computers and all you need to keep a world like that going is electricity, isn't it? God could, I guess, have made a world like that, but he didn't. He made the real world, which is so much more complicated and so much more beautiful. Uh, We're surrounded, aren't we, by wonderful displays of uh, flowers and fruit. And uh, just, I mean, I don't know how many shades of green you can count just as you look around yourself now. I looked it up on the internet to try and work out, you know, what the... There are at least 4,000, apparently, shades of green. Some people will put it as a million or so. And you're thinking, that's a lot, isn't it? God made it... He chose that way. He made it just incredibly varied and complex and beautiful. He chose that. That's the world. 
And the remarkable thing is, he said, well, let me make the human race, in, let us make the human race, more, more on that at another time on Trinity Sunday, uh, in, in our image, and let them be like us, in other words. Let, let them manage the whole thing. So we're kind of God's fellow workers. He's the one who provides everything, but we get to manage everything. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You can have a jungle without human beings, and there is a kind of wild beauty in that. But gardens need people to take care of them, manage them, uh, cultivate them and help them to grow. Now, God didn't ask the human race whether or not we wanted the world like that. He made that choice. But can we see what a good choice that is? What a wonderful privilege to be human, to be like God in the world. And so God makes good choices for us, and he has a good purpose. There's a good purpose in the way things are. And so let's think now about work. And the, the three things that it enables us to do, it enables us to express our humanity, what it is to be in God's image as we rule, as we create. It enables us to serve our community. That's more of a New Testament focus, but it's there in the old as well. We work together with others to make this world a good place for everyone. And, and thirdly, Work is also about worshipping our God. When we think, act, speak, have, have an approach to life and to the world which reflects God's character, that is worshipping him. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that before as you uh, get on the tube in the morning or on the bus uh, and you're, you're off to work. Do you think, oh, I'm off to worship? A lot of people think of worship as, um, well, it's an hour, isn't it, on a Sunday when I make it. That's worship. And then there's the rest of life. But uh, let me read, uh, it's on the sheets, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Paul writes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. See what it says? Whatever you do. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, what, what isn't included in that? There's nothing that's not included in that. Whether you have a boss or not, whether you're retired or, or not, paid or not, Whatever you do on a sunny Sunday or a wet Wednesday, it's the Lord Christ we are serving when we work. When we do the tasks of everyday life. And when we see our lives like that, we realise, gosh, what a privilege to be human. What a privilege, even when I'm doing a job which actually I didn't really volunteer for, even when I've got a boss that's a nightmare, there's a boss above the boss. And I'm working ultimately for an audience of one, for the God who sees it all, for the God who rewards. Do you see that? Even if you never get a bonus, even if you hardly get paid for what you do, it's the Lord Christ you're serving. And so the most rubbish task at one level can be worship of the living God at another, at a deeper level. 
as you do it to the best of your ability in serving him. I mean, think about it. How do you do things for people you love in your life? How do you cook or shop or make things or or do something for people you love? You do it enthusiastically, hopefully. You do it carefully. You do it to the best of your ability as well as you can. So how might we do life for the God who we love because he loves us? Well, same, shouldn't we? Uh, Enthusiastically, carefully, uh, to the best of our ability as well as we can, but also humbly and prayerfully uh, and gratefully, thanking him for all the good things he gives us. And when you think about washing up, changing nappies, shopping, uh, cleaning, banking, um, accountancy, nursing... Uh, policing, emptying the rubbish, um, filling in those forms online, uh, organising the office um, tea and coffee rotor. When you think about whatever it is that you do on a wet Wednesday or a sunny Sunday, and you realise it can all be worship, then it transforms life. Back in the summer, um, in Life Group, we did an excellent series called Fruitfulness on the Front Line, uh, thinking for eight weeks about this, um, the, the theme of work in the Bible. Uh, and eight weeks wasn't really long enough. Uh, the DVD told the true story of Keith, a decorator from Bolton. Keith's been a decorator for about 25 years, uh, self-employed, changing rooms, changing houses. First ten years, as he looks back, as he was explaining... Um, the first ten years, God wasn't really involved in his life or his work. Um, he just did it to earn money. Then one day, uh, Keith had a car crash. Uh, serious, car flipped over. Uh, he survived it. But it gave him pause for thought, as these things do. And he rethought his life. He rethought his relationship with God. And uh, either for the first time or uh, coming back or for the first time, he connected with God, he became a Christian, got involved in his church. And and, and from then on, he had two aims. Uh, The first aim was to earn money, still, obviously. And the second aim was to give money to his church and the charities he supported. And that was how he thought about work for the next 12, 13 years or so. Until one day, he came to a talk in his church and it was a light bulb moment for him when he realised that as well as earning money through his decorating he was helping other people around him to lead the lives that they needed to lead to be people who were flourishing in their lives he's helping a woman with a sick husband because she simply can't do the decorating he's helping an older man who who can't do the DIY anymore because he's too frail he's helping a family with a disabled child to make the kind of home that really works for them he's serving God as he's helping people job's still the same still earns money still gives money to church and to charity but in his words I'm not working for money anymore. I'm not working to give money away to the church. I'm doing it for God. That's my service, and it's totally transformed my life. You can see how it would, can't you? If you just understand all the ordinary stuff differently. It's the same job, 
But the way you do it is very different. The way you do it is your relationship to God. The way you do it is your worship. So God has good purposes in work, but you don't need me to tell you that there's also problems with work, do you? We all know that. Uh, In the bit we read, chapter 2, verse 17, that final verse is sort of a portent of what's to come. It warns us. It it hints at what's going to happen. And in two weeks' time, we'll get to Genesis 3, which documents the way that the human race grasped after being like God, rebelled against him, and decided, no, no, we're not going to let him decide what's good and evil. We're going to do it. And once we did that, work became toil. So chapter 3, verse 17, curses the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It's what we talk about as uh, the fall of the human race and of the, the world. Everything is fallen. You are fallen, I am. The ground is cursed. Work is toil. And not just toil, but painful toil. It's back-breaking, stress-inducing, grey-hair-producing. That's work. And don't we know it? So work is this mixture. Actually, everything in life is this mixture. It's still a good gift, but it's spoiled. It's a mixture of pleasure and pain, a mixture of what God always intended of fulfilment, of being a fellow worker, of making a difference in the world, but also of frustration and toil and pain because it's fallen. And that's the real world. And that's why something as big in our lives as work is so complicated. It also means that it's not just that you, you who need a saviour and me who needs a saviour. The whole world needs saving. And it's why Jesus is the only one, the only hope for the world. Uh, it, it talked in verse 7, didn't it, of the way that when God formed life, when he created the human race, he breathed life into the nostrils of the uh, first people, that we became living beings through his creative life-giving. And that's what the world needs. It, needs. it needs life from death. And that's why Jesus is the only hope. He's the one who died and rose from death and will return to bring a new creation, to bring new life to you, to me, if we put our hope in him and to the world around us. That's the Christian hope. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's good news for the world. Well, today on Harvest Sunday, we celebrate the good purpose of work. Even if you do a job that no one else wants to do, you don't get paid very much for the privilege. Even if in the home you live in, you're always the one who ends up putting out the rubbish. You're always the one who ends up doing the cleaning. It's frustrating work because of the fall, but you still reflect the image of God who made you in his likeness as a fellow worker And as you do those jobs and make the world a bit better for you, for those around you, it's worship, it reflects his likeness, it actually brings fulfilment into our lives. And also the other thing about Harvest Sunday is we pause, don't we, on Harvest Sunday. We take stock, we look back, we say thank you. And that's a really good reminder that 
though work is our worship, work is not all of our worship. So we mustn't worship work, as some people end up doing. We need to remember as well the importance of rest, of pressing pause, of saying, oh, hang on a minute, let's just take a break, let's breathe. Let's actually enjoy the world that we live in. And you see, that's what God did after his work of creation. We read it, didn't we? Chapter 1, verse 31, God saw all that he made. It was very good. Verse 2 of chapter 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he, on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Taking time to rest isn't just a good thing for stress levels and a good way to balance our lives so that work doesn't take over. It's more important, it's deeper than that. Taking, taking a break gives us space in our lives to actually enjoy the good things around us, to focus again on God and our relationship with him week by week, to refresh that, to, to thank him, to thank others, to take time out for verbal worship. that We work, worship through the week but actually to take time to put it in our diaries to say, okay, let's come together for verbal worship, for thanksgiving, for listening to our God, for learning, for renewing, for praying to him. We worship through our work. We also worship through resting, through proper rest and renewal of relationship with God. So let's wrap up. Despite the problems with work because of the fall, work is a gift from God, a good gift from a good God who makes good choices for us and has good purposes for us. It uh, expresses our humanity. We experience that striking similarity to the living God as we live out a a life of managing and organising and doing and changing the world for the better. We serve our community Uh, stacking shelves so that the label faces forward and the right product so you can get your things for your dinner. If you do that, thank you. Uh, The people um, who uh, empty our rubbish bins on Sunday evenings in this neck of the woods um, and Sunday evenings, sorry, uh, Monday mornings and Thursday mornings, isn't it? Uh, And if they do that job properly, if they empty them tidily, it stops the whole area becoming a fast food restaurant for the foxes. If they do that well, we want to say thank you to them, don't we? Uh, If you're someone who keeps the uh, computers at BA working, as one of us does, so we can get to our holiday or to our meeting on time, we want to say thank you for doing that. If you're someone who teaches the next generation so that they can understand the world that we live in and so that they can grow up to be good people, well, thank you for doing that. That's so important. If you're someone who cares for the ill in hospital when they're at their weakest, when they're at their lowest, and you support them so that they can get better, thank you for doing that. That's so important. If you uh, craft beautiful guitars so that we can play music, if you ever meet him, say thank you to Mr. Fender for that great work that he's done. Every task that we do has the potential to make other people's life that little bit better, to make the world a better place to be in. And that's God's purpose in our work, to express our humanity, to serve our community, 
and to worship our God. Ultimately, we do it all for the audience of one out of love for him because we know his love for us and his goodness to us and we respond to it with the worship of our lives. Amen.